and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, this is Brother Frank, and welcome to a Friday night episode of The Remnant Call. I, uh, twice in a row now I've gone on Friday night. I told you I was going to be back to Thursday, but uh, truthfully, last evening I had a mower that needed to be contended with uh, because my grass was turning into hay just about. Uh, we had to have it out, but thank God the carburetor um, has been brought into submission and is back and functioning, thank the Lord. Uh, we have won the battle. I'm not so sure I'm going to win the war with this mower, but we are going to try by God's grace. Uh, so that's why we are having another Friday night program. But tonight's message is going to be nothing short of important, and I don't know how else to say it. I'm just going to open up with prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, please guide me. These are perilous times. We need words that will strengthen meat to chew on, Lord, meat that will sustain us through the hard times, Lord. It's time to move from the milk into the meat. I pray you would guide tonight simply because I ask it, Father, in the most powerful name, Jesus, Yeshua, amen. Folks, tonight's message, the coming attack, prophecy, and the faith to survive. So folks, you know anybody that's been a follower of the Remnant Call has known that I have, um, uh, been uh, a firm, um, uh, really a believer in, in, um, in that America is Babylon, uh, Revelation 18, Mystery Babylon, it's spoken of there. We know of ancient Babylon, but we of Mystery Babylon, I believe it is a large system. It's not just only America. There's a religious, a geopolitical, there is, a, there is national, there's, there's a, the spiritual, religious, it's all there. It's a large system. There is, encompasses Rome. And, and Catholicism, and, and not the people necessarily, but the but the system. Uh, there's a, it's the papacy especially, and, and many other facets. But there are some specifics that pertain to this country. Some things that was that are important to the hour that we live in. And there is coming an attack on the United States. I believe with all of my heart. I believe it's in the Word of God, and I believe God has shared that with many people down through the ages. And so I want to look tonight as a, as a quick reminder from the Scripture what the Word of God says, but I also want to share a story, um, a part of a story. Uh, it's too long to share the whole thing on the air, and I'm going to link to it uh, on the YouTube channel. I'm going to put it up so you can download it, uh, because this is some serious stuff I'm going to share. This is one... One very, very powerful story, and I think it do all of you to read it, um, about God's supernatural leading uh, back in Russia um, over 100 year, about 100 years ago, roughly, and when it began. 
And so I'm going to share that with you, and then we're going to talk something important at the end of the show. I know a lot of people, you want to find out the currents, you want to know what's going on, the, the, you know, what's new, what's different, but the truth is we need to have the faith to face what's about to happen. Now, God has timing. God can delay. God can do whatever he wants to do. This is his place. It's his creation. He can do whatever he feels like doing. And, and I want to be clear, you know, myself, even when Brother Benjamin or other people have been on this show, the destruction of America, or talking about the fall of this country, we're not saying that's when Jesus is coming. I believe the Lord is coming soon, but there is prophecy that must be fulfilled first. I want to make that very clear. There's things that have to happen according to the Word of God, now, obviously, like I said before, God can do whatever he wants, but you've got to remember God obeys his own laws. He does the thing. He follows his own word. He speaks it. It's truth. That's what it is. And he doesn't deviate from the truth in his word. And so you can't forget that. And so when you're looking at the Bible and you're seeing things and you're desiring things to happen, you've got to remember that there are things that must take place before certain events can take place. And before the second coming of Jesus Christ, there will be things that are going to take place. And one of the things that are going to be taking place is an attack on this mystery Babylon. Now, I grew up in a church that was t- taught me that Revelation chapter 17 and 18 were all about Rome. And I don't disagree that there's, a, there's stuff in there about Rome. Don't, don't get me wrong on that. But Revelation 18 specifically, and referring back to Jeremiah chapter 51, and there is some stuff back over in 50 also. And you can, folks, interesting thing about this, I had this question come up, how do we know that Jeremiah 50 or 51 too, or not, is, is talking, not all talking about ancient Babylon? Well, you can just read from the common scholars' comments, actually you can read from the Encyclopedia Britannica that only some of the things happen. Look in the Britannica. Just I'm talking so simple of how ancient Babylon was destroyed. It didn't happen in one hour or one day. It happened slowly over a period of time. People slowly began to move out. You'll look at it. It didn't fit all of the things God said about ancient Babylon. And so even the scholars will say that it was not all fulfilled then because there was something coming in the future. Revelation chapter 18, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And in verse 3, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her gases. Or maybe your translation says uh, luxuries, or it, it, it literally means the luxurious things that this place, this, this mystery Babylon, she desires to have. And so the interesting thing that we know is that this one place has made the entire world rich because she desires to live a lavish lifestyle. Well, start thinking about that. What is the one country on earth that makes the whole world rich because of their consumer-based lifestyle? Tell me there's another country out there besides the United States of America that lives so profitable, so luxurious, so overwhelmingly uh, um, rich in so many fashions. And we make the world rich. 
And so it says in verse 4, it says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, and be ye not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. So this country, this nation, this place, this city, this, all this stuff it's talking about here in Babylon, it is not only a place that likes to make the merchants rich, but it's an evil, evil place. And it's full of sin. And I think about what is the one place that likes to consume the world's riches and loves to relish and live lavishly in a hotbed of sin? Well, I would say probably the number one exporter of pornography, drugs in the entire world. Uh, we're, uh, we're talking about killing more babies, uh, open homosexuality and marriage. I mean, the list goes on and on. The United States is not only the largest consumer of goods from other countries, but is the largest exporter of some of the most vile sins in this world. And we relish in it. God says in verse 5, For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. The Lord's fed up with it. And then he says, Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled, Fill to her double how much she hath glorified herself in living deliciously so much torment and sorrow give her for she saith in her heart I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow therefore shall her plagues come in one day death and mourning and famine and she shall be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. So here this, this great city is going to burn and she loved to live so luxuriously, and all the merchants are just weeping and wailing because no one's buying their goods anymore. And then you begin to look at the goods list. Verse 12, the merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones, and pearls, and fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet. Wow, that sounds kind of like our flag, doesn't it? Purple, blue, silk, white, and scarlet. Red, white, and blue. Right there it all is. And the, all, thy, all thine wood, and all manner of vessels and ivory, and all manner of vessels and precious wood, and brass and iron and marble, and the cinnamon, and odors and ointments and frankincense. These are all things we import, folks. And wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and the beasts and sheep and horses. Look at our import through history. And chariots. Now here's the kicker. And slaves and the souls of men. So not only does this country love to live more luxuriously than anywhere else in the world, but they are a place that was known for slaveries, for slaves. And folks, now, the truth is, there is one country in this world, even though, truth be told, we, there was over, uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember how many, uh, 12 or 7, I can't remember, 17 million maybe. I don't I have to look it back up again. Slaves taken from Africa. It was, it was a pile. And only 345,000 or something like that came to the United States. But they multiplied and grew. 
And many other places had slaves all around, especially look at all the islands and through South America, uh, Portu- uh, you know, on Portuguese, uh, down through there in Portugal and, and, um, and uh, uh, Brazil and all that stuff. Look how much you know, slavery they had and, and brought into that a huge amount more initially than the United States of America. But we are the one place that is known for slavery above all other nations currently. This, so you begin to put the pieces together. We are a mass consumer. We love sin, not just sin, but we are just reveling in it. We are committing stuff that is hideous in God's sight. And the, we make the world rich. And we are known for our slavery. We are known for our slavery. It, you put it all together, folks, and I don't know anywhere else that fits this description. It just doesn't exist. And you turn back to Jeremiah 51, and you'll notice that in the beginning, as you're reading through Jeremiah 50, and especially 51, you will see crossover verses between Revelation 18 and 17 and Jeremiah 50 and 51. And the interesting thing in, in verse 6 of Jeremiah 51, it says, Flee out of the midst of Babylon and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off of her iniquity. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. Will he render unto her a recompense? Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that hath made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her? Take balm for her pain. If so, she may be healed. Now, the interesting thing, at one point, Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand. And then it goes down and says that she would be healed, if, if it's possible, that she may be healed. Now, to be healed means at one point in time you were actually okay. See, to be healed from something means that you were okay, you were, you, you were okay then you were sick, now you've been healed, you've been restored again. Babylon never, ancient Babylon never followed the Lord. They were never now. Well, there was a time when Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of his time being out in the field, uh, you know, basically said how God was the only true God, and he sets up the kings and tears them down, all that stuff. But ancient Babylon was a pagan nation, not the golden cup that the Lord had. One time, America was a great, wonderful. I know we had some sins in the past, but we were a country that took the gospel into all of the world. Israel brought the Messiah to the world, and America helped take the gospel all around the world. And that's true, folks. Look at the history of our missionaries and their work that they did worldwide. And yet this country, God's saying, flee out of her. It would have been she was healed, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let everyone go into his own country, for her judgment reached unto heaven and is lifted up even to the skies. So, folks, there is going to come a time when the Lord is going to call us out. Now, maybe God has a mission for you, and maybe your mission is right here, and you'll never be called out. The most important thing you need to understand, folks, is that you need to hear from the Lord, not from me, not from anybody on this show, but you must hear from the Lord his instructions, not mine. If God says to go, it needs to be from him, and you need to have the grace to follow that. That comes mercy of God to obey his voice and not to make up excuses of why you need to stay when God is calling you to go. We will 
be destroyed. Look at Ezekiel 38. Folks, God, there's going to be a simultaneous attack. I'm not going into there on, on Israel. And then it says, at the same time, an evil thought shall come into their mind. And they'll say, let's go up to the land of unwalled villages, to those that are at ease and rest. And if you look at Israel, that's not a land of unwalled villages. This is the land of unwalled villages. And there's coming an attack. And this country is going to be burned. But the Western mind thinks that America is the be-all to end-all with the end of Bible prophecy. Or that they're going to poof, be gone in a rapture, no worry, that's only for the Jews. But folks, I've read the Bible. You're either grafted in or you're not. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, Romans chapter 11 says we have to be grafted in. And neither there is neither Jew nor Greek once you are grafted in, because we are all of the same root. Jew and Gentile. It says that the Jew must partake of the same, must accept Christ, just like the Gentile must. And we all get grafted in together. Replacement theology is from the devil. It is not from God. You are either grafted in or you are not. And when you understand that you've been grafted in, you will realize that you are truly a child of the living God. And that's why Paul says, all Israel shall be saved, both Jew and Gentile, who have been grafted into the true root, the true vine. And God will save us. But there's coming an attack. But God, folks, is not going to leave us. He is going to lead us in these last hours. If you look through the book of Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah is a fun, just a wonderful book to just take a, a day and just go all through it. And God's leading and causing springs to come up on the mountains and all the things that, that he's going to do for God's people during the times of the end, things that are going to happen in the last days. Folks, I'm telling you right now, the New Testament primarily is about our walk with Jesus, our walk with the Lord, our walk as believers. And yes, there is prophecy in the New Testament, but the Old Testament is filled with the detailed instructions of the last days. Now, yes, there are detailed instructions in the New Testament, but we cannot neglect. This is one book with two uninspired pages, the one that says Old Testament and the one that says New Testament. Those books, those pages were put in by men, not by God. This is one book, the same God over the whole thing. And he's wanting to prepare us for what is coming. Now, I don't know when the attack is going to exactly happen. I know things have now gone into a different era, a different level, a new paradigm has, has now changed in the United States of America. But what I, mean, I do not know when the attack is going to happen, but it's coming. And you can mark it down by the very word of God that this country is going down. You look at not only at the word, you look at the prophecies of Demetri Dudeman. You can go to the Hand of Help Ministries and read all of that stuff. A man who suffered uh, tremendously for Christ, who was beaten and electrocuted and, and, and just persecuted unbelievably. And I remember Brother Dan Bowler speaking years ago, talking about sitting by Brother Demetri and looking at him and all the gnarled up fingers and the scars and everything and being overwhelmed by sitting by a man who had suffered so tremendously for the gospel. And how God sent him to the United States of America to warn this country that it was going to burn in one hour of one day. Things are going to change in the United States. But God is going to lead us through. Now I want to share 
a story with you all tonight. I, I wish I could share the whole thing. I'm going to link to it. It's very important. It's serious. Um, you may not like everything you hear, but you, you need to hear some of this. It's a powerful story because it is about, it is the story of, of the mother and family of Boris Sorokovsky. And the title of it is A Call to the Churches in America. And I want to share with you a little bit. It's about how the Lord led them out of Russia into China and then ultimately led to different places into South America and, and all the way into the United States um, back from the early days of, of before the Re Russian Revolution and all that went on. And I want to pick up in the story here in about 1933. And so in 1933, the, the Lord said to the people there in this group that his family was a part of, my children get ready to move into another country. And when they were fasting and praying, the Lord divided the 40 families into four groups. He named the head of the families. He said, my son, you and you and you, the Lord by the Holy Spirit, named the heads of the families and divided them into groups. You will be leaving on such and such a day at midnight. I will lead you out into another country. Then the Lord in his divine providence took them across the border into China. And it was only the miracle of God that could lead them because they had never traveled that far in their lifetime. They never had guides, and they could not reveal their intent because at that time there was already a big surveillance in the villages, so they were being watched. So they said, Lord, we have the government here in the village where we live in this city watching for us. How can we move? And the Lord said, my children, don't worry. I will lead you out. And the Lord told them to leave at midnight. When midnight came, they were praying. Even right at midnight, they were praying to the Lord, saying, Lord, please help us and lead us out. And this is what happened to the particular group. As my mother related it, right at midnight, the Lord raised a great storm. It was such a great storm that it caused great commotion with much wind and noise. Even dogs stopped barking in the streets, and everyone went into hiding. It was a big storm, and the Lord said, my children, it's time to move out. So they left in, in the darkness of the night and, and at midnight, and there was no KGB watching the streets, walking surveillance. There was nobody on the streets. The streets were empty, and they left from the outskirts of the town. They left quietly in the darkness, and the Lord was leading them through the night because it was very close to the border. The Lord led them through the wild paths in the bushes, in the bush. The Lord was telling them to turn right, turn left, because they didn't know where to go. But the Lord supernaturally led them group by group. They all went into China. Yes, but in spite of God's working, in spite of God's miracles, in spite of the presence of the Lord, there is always an element of man's flesh entering in and trying to disobey and to do his will. Other groups went in safely without incident, but one group, my mother related, one group was being led by the Lord. He was instructing them, and the moon was shining, but it was still quite dark. They were walking on a wide, well-worn path as the Lord had directed them. Then all of a sudden, the Lord told them, turn to the right, my children. And off to the right was just a little path going into the bush, and they stopped there, and a couple of brethren said, well, why should we go to the right? This path we are on is very big and is very easy to walk. We have children in our kettles with our water. If we go through the bush, we will be getting scratched and this and that, and it will be very hard for the for the mothers with children to walk, and they started reasoning, so they said, no, let's go straight. Of course, there was no more voice of the Lord, and so they went straight. See, 
They disobeyed. They just walked straight. No longer after that, they came into a small wet area, then into a big swamp, and two brothers who took over the leadership and rejected the leadership of the Lord, the divine leadership of the Lord, they happened to fall into the swamp and started sinking and cried, Lord, help us. The people had to take off their shirts and quickly make a rope and throw into them and save them from certain death. That is what it means to disobey the Lord. When you want to go your own way and the Lord's w- and not the Lord's way, so they got them to the shore and they were all soaking wet, the people started to weep and cry bitterly, Lord, forgive us. We disobeyed your voice and wanted to go on the easier path. Forgive us, Lord. And they were repenting and praying for a couple of hours, and there was no voice of God. Eventually, they really broke down, crying before the Lord. And then the Lord spoke to them with a very stern rebuke, and he said, Never, never disobey the command of the Lord when he wants to lead you to safety. So the Lord forgave them and told them to go back to the point where they had turned. So this time they went... They had to turn left, and when they turned left, only that little wild path and found it led them around the big swamp. It took them around on dry ground and then back to the wide path. The Lord knew and wanted to lead them around the swamp, but, they diso- but the people wanted to go straight. So that's how it was, how it, when the people want to disobey his word. Finally, they came to China, and of course, there were many miracles along the way as they were being led, but I will just relate a few before, as we must proceed on. Each group was led differently on different paths. One group, as they crossed into China, came into a little wilderness area, which was completely desolate area and with just sand and nothing else. It was literal wilderness area, just sand and no growth, no vegetation. They came to the wilderness and the Lord said, just walk through, go straight. So they were walking on foot. The children were crying. The heat of the sun was burning and the water and their kettles ran out. They were walking a long time. Then they were crying, Lord, we are exhausted. We are thirsty, Lord. And our children are crying. Lord, what are we to do? And the brethren called the group and pray, and they knelt down. Our people were taught to pray, kneeling down or standing, never sitting up or laying. That's to show that God is a mighty God, a king of kings. He is worthy of our bow, bowing down like our brothers read tonight. Let's bow down before the Lord. So they bowed down before the Lord and started to cry, Lord, what do we do? We'll die in this wilderness if you don't help us. Then the Lord told them, Through the Holy Ghost, my children, go so many steps to the right and dig. So they obeyed the Lord. The brethren obeyed in the Lord, and they were went to the right, and the Lord directed so many steps, and they started digging. They only had to dig a foot or so, as my mother related, and water came gushing out of the ground. And they were praising the Lord, and they were drinking, and then they laid back in the sand, and they were drinking again until every quenched their thirst. Folks, this is a serious story. And I believe God still will lead his people today. But you understand what he was telling here. Some people don't like this very much. Because God told them, don't you ever disobey when the Lord is trying to lead you to safety. Folks, I'm trying to tell you today that God wants to lead us. He's gracious and he's merciful. But if you think that disobedience is okay, being a believer, I've got a different word for you. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It is not works to follow the commands of God. 
That is faith believing that what he said is good enough for us to do. And God is wanting us to come into obedience in these last days so that we can hear clearly and be ready to follow. God has a word for us, but he's wanting us to trust and obey. Now, I encourage you to read this whole message. A call to, church, to the churches in America. I'll try to link the doc, I will link the doc up on YouTube so you can download it, a PDF. And uh, it's by, again, it's a, a call to churches in America, Boris Sorokovsky. I didn't do it justice. There's a lot in this article you need to read. But it was about God's supernatural leading out of Russia. And God is going to supernaturally lead his people in the last day. The Lord wasn't joking around when he said, my sheep know my voice. They hear his voice. They understand what the Lord wants to do. And if you've never heard the voice of the Lord, it's, folks, don't get all upset about it. Don't get upset. God will speak when he's ready to speak. And he'll speak in whatever way he chooses to speak. Your job is to not force him to speak, but to be ready to listen. And I want to talk about that tonight. What does it mean to have the faith to hear God's voice? Now, sometimes, folks, God can speak to anybody. He can speak to to anyone he wants to. He can prophesy through different people. Oh, yes, he can. He can prophesy through people that aren't even following him. You remember Caiaphas, the high priest? You remember how he prophesied? Yes, he did. He prophesied in the New Testament, yet he was trying to destroy the Lord. Go look it up. God can speak through a donkey if he needs to. God also speaks, or God also, or excuse me, people also say that he speaks, and their things come to pass, and they are still not from God. Deuteronomy chapter 11, I believe that is, talks about the false prophets who prophesy things that come to pass, but yet they still lead you away from the Lord. Get away from them. There's no light in them. We must understand what the Word of God says and be willing to hear His voice. But the truth is, there's a struggle. There is a spiritual block over so many people in this country right now because the devil is out attacking. Yes, he's attacking. I'll just give you a little summary of this past week, or about the past two, maybe two weeks or so. The past two weeks or so, I've had friends with family uh, brother David Murray in a couple weeks have had three siblings, you know, brother or two parents got uh, the coronavirus. Uh, brother Benjamin, of course, has been under attack. My sister-in-law, who is having my nephew, she is now in the hospital, and, and, and they're talking about having to deliver the baby at 25, 26 weeks. Uh, we're, no. We're praying, God, leave that child in there and let it develop more. My wife's good, one of her best friend's mother just got word she has a year to live. The other week, I had a near-death experience, I call it the NDE. Uh, in my yard here, I almost had a mower flip over and roll on me on a steep bank. It was dangerous. I've never had something like that happen before. Thank God for protecting me. It was dangerous. And, 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 to, and, on, and on top of that, there's just been one thing after another, after another, and there's been person after person. I can just keep going on in the list of people that are suffering right now. A good friend, a guy I know, he's in the hospital. They took him in for heart. He ended up having a heart attack in there. 
Um, <clears throat> another friend of mine whose nephew has some handicap, has, is, lives in a home, has got coronavirus. There are things that are going on right now. The devil is attacking, and people understand it, but there feels like there's a spiritual block that's going on right now, and God needs us, wants us to break through, but not in our strength. No. You're going to break through in his strength. But there are things that we can do to find the truth and what God wants us and to see the path to allow him to set us free. Now, we talk so often on this show about prayer and fasting, and I get people who say some crazy comments to me. And uh, why do you, you don't have to fast to be saved. Nobody's ever said that on this program. But prayer and fasting together, if you read Isaiah uh, chapter Isaiah um, chapter uh, 58 and read the powerful promise that God had in there of fasting that if you would fast God's way, he would break every yoke, every yoke, not some yokes, not a few yokes, not maybe a yoke here or there, but break every yoke if you would do it his way. That's the very word of God. So you're struggling with a sin. You're struggling with something to overcome. You're struggling. You can't seem to get free and break through. Follow what God's word says, because it will do good for your soul. Calls us to fast and pray. And when we begin to seek the Lord and to cry out, there comes something over us, something happens and maybe sometimes in the middle of this seeking god we have some tragedy that comes along don't let that scare you off folks there there's a lot of things that that have happened i love this story in mark chapter two mark chapter two and verse one it says again he entered in capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, meaning he was being carried by four people. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and they and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But the certain of the scribes and Pharisees sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus uh, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but the but God only? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit what they what they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick and palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. So here they were, these men. Now remember, the guy that's sick in the bed, he can't make it to Jesus. And there are some of us folks, we've got some family out there. They're sick. They can't make it to Jesus. They need someone else to carry them there. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's through sharing the word. But they need someone to help them there. 
And so these men, knowing the power of God, took this man, climbed up on the roof, ripped it off, and they were so desperate to see the healing of this man, they lowered him down to Jesus. And folks, God is wondering when we are going to get so desperate that we are willing to rip the roof off to take somebody to Jesus. God's wondering when we're going to get so intense that nothing is going to hold us back until we get this person to Jesus. God is wondering when you're willing to scale over the wall to get someone to Jesus. And so here these men are taking somebody who is incapable of getting there. And many of you know people like that. And many of you, you might be somebody like that. But what you don't know is you've got people praying for you. You might not think you do, but folks, I found out a long time ago, God has people praying for you that you have no idea that are praying for you. And he wants to get you desperate for him. And so here he is. They're, they're bringing him here. And what happens? Obviously, you get the resistance of the church of those so-called believers looking and saying, oh, why would Jesus say something like that? Now, see, here's the first thing they didn't understand. So often people see the miracle of raising the man up from his bed, but they forget the most important thing that took place in that story. Jesus said, thy sins given thee. You see, folks, first part of healing, the first part of recovery, the first part of getting right with God means you can accept the forgiveness of your sins. It didn't matter that that man could ever walk again. If his sins be forgiven, he would walk one day on streets of gold. It didn't matter if he would be bid. Uh, bound to a bed the rest of his life. If he was going to be forgiven of a sin, one day he would eat from the tree of life. See, folks, it doesn't matter your situation on this earth, whether you're in a wheelchair, whether you're walking upright, whether you're the s- successful CEO of a, of a company or you're living on the streets. If your sins be forgiven, you shall be with the king. And the truth is, the most powerful thing that took place is the day that God shared with that man, thy sins be forgiven. You see, there's so many people out there, you've been asking God to forgive you, but you can't even accept the forgiveness that he has given you. Because you keep asking over and over again to forgive you for the same things you've already asked him to forgive you for. And you put it in your mind that you can't hardly be forgiven, so you commit the same sin over and over again. Instead of understanding you've been forgiven and living in the power of forgiveness. See, there's a difference between, knowing, between hearing that you've been forgiven and knowing that you've been forgiven. Because when you know that you've been forgiven, you know that you've been loved, you know that you've been made new, you can now live in the power of that new creation. And when you can live in the power of the new creation, you can obey and follow the Lord without effort. You see, when you are in love and desperate for the Lord, and he says, don't do something, you're not going to want to do it. When you are living in the love and the power of God, and he says, go do something, you are going to go do it. Because you want to follow him. You're in love with him. And you want to do whatever he says. And when God tells us in these last days on what to do, it won't be an issue. 
because we are following and living in the power of forgiveness. Folks, sometimes you got to just say enough is enough. And you begin to pray. You begin to fast. And folks, there is a deep brokenness that happens. I'm not talking about a brokenness where you just carry guilt around forever. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a brokenness where God opens up the very bottom of your heart and reveals to you who you are. You're not going to like it. But when he does that, it will be followed with healing and mercy. Because God's whole point is to make you new again and whole so that you can help in leading others to Jesus. Folks, there's an attack coming. Prophecy proves it. The Bible has been talking about it for thousands of years. And God is calling us to the faith to survive it. This is Brother Frank Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom.